he suggests that racism ought to be the most important thing that any one of us ought to listen to in this court, that any one of us in this nation should be listening to. And it's because of racism we should put aside all other thought, all other reason, and set his murdering client free. Whites, who said it's not a trial about race, speak that way because they haven't been on the receiving end of injustices at the hands of a white person. So they don't think it's about race. They block it out of their minds. They don't get it. It was about race from day one. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for joining us. That was Ron Goldman's father, Fred Goldman, speaking outside of the courtroom during the O.J. Simpson trial, murder trial, in 1995. And it was reporter Mark Watts who covered the trial for CNN. Watts was one of the few African-American reporters who covered the trial back in the 90s. O.J. Simpson's life has captivated Americans for decades. Think of when he was running up and down the football field at USC and then in Buffalo and then the spectacular commercial career that he had and the immolation of all of that around the murder of his wife, Nicole Brown Simpson uh, and uh, and Ron Goldman. Uh, it has also become a springboard, all of that, for some of the toughest racial conversations we've ever had as a nation. Now that Simpson has been granted parole, what kind of society is he coming back into? Have the racial tensions that framed that trial 20-some years ago, have they changed? Are they different? Are we living in a different time and we see O.J. and his trials differently? What does the O.J. Simpson saga mean in the era of Black Lives Matter? We want to spend a good part of the show today talking about those issues and those questions. And of course, we want to hear from you. What racial context do you put the O.J. Simpson story into today as he comes out of prison? Does it mean the same things that it did in 1995 when he was acquitted of murder charges and it seemed as though much of black America was celebrating that fact while much of white America was crushed over it? It seemed to symbolize all of this tension that has existed between blacks and whites. It seemed to symbolize all the tension that has existed between African-Americans and the police. What does it symbolize now? Think of the things that we're talking about in the culture now about race and racial tensions. Think of the things we're talking about in terms of tensions between the African-American community and police. How does the O.J. Simpson story fit into that in 2017? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work your comments into the conversation. And joining me up front to talk about OJ in the era of Black Lives Matter is J.A. Adande. He is an ESPN.com senior writer. He wrote a column in The Undefeated titled, OJ Simpson Will Return to a Bleaker Racial Landscape. Uh, J.A. Adande, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Uh, I, I thought your article was was quite interesting, and I also thought it was 
something of a downer. <laughs> this, this idea that things have gotten worse. Things have deteriorated since the era of O.J. Simpson on trial in the mid-1990s. First, I want to give you a chance to, to talk about why you think that's, that's so. Well, it's not like it's been this, this straight line down. Um, what I think is it's a little bit more realistic. And it, it's, uh, you know, it's not just the era of Black Lives Matter. It, it's during this time that he's been away in prison since he's been sentenced, uh, we've had the entire Barack Obama administration. Sure. Um, so what, what happened is, is O.J. represented a rare occasion of, of getting over against the system, right? In 1995, when, when he was acquitted, that was a rare time that the, you know, the, the system worked in, in favor of a, a black person uh, or, or that it, it wasn't you know, so stacked against a black person that, that even in the face of, of <laughs> you could say, even in the face of overwhelming evidence, yeah. um, he, he still was acquitted. But since then, you had, you had the ultimate achievement in, in Barack Obama being elected president. So therefore, you didn't need OJ as a symbol. Um, you had a much greater example of, of, of someone achieving and and achieving, you know, the, the the highest accomplishment in the land through you know straight legitimate means. You know, it didn't have to kind of twist and bend the system. Um, you know, it was pretty obvious to see the the legal gymnastics that um, that OJ Simpson's defense team went through uh, to to win that case. Um, so you had this great accomplishment, and then you saw it didn't make a difference, that basically Barack Obama wasn't allowed to govern. You, you had a Republican-controlled Congress that, that basically refused to play along, it, you know, up to the ultimate insult when they, they didn't even have a hearing on a Supreme Court nominee. One of, the, one of the perks, possibly the greatest perk of being a president, is being able to appoint Supreme Court justices, sure. and they just flat-out denied him that opportunity. Um, and also the, the flip side was that, you could argue the election of Barack Obama led to the election of, of Donald Trump, who, who led on, you know, who ran on this on this uh, campaign of bigotry and was successful. And a lot of people think that was kind of the backlash from from seeing the election of the first African American president. So that's what makes it bleaker. But the thing is, at least you had this this moment of of great optimism, hope. Um, you know, the, the problem is that that you saw that okay, not even that can make a difference, and. Yeah. and you know that, and one of the reasons we don't turn to O.J. Simpson anymore is, as, as an example of optimism is, you know, that that didn't change the justice system, and and also it didn't change O.J. You, you didn't see him say further the cause of the African American community after he was given the, the second chance. Yeah, uh, I, I want you to talk a little about the irony, I guess, of O.J. Simpson as a racial symbol, not just then. But even now, I mean, this is a this is a guy who, f- for most of his life, actively eschewed the idea that he was like other African Americans. And in fact, in the eight-hour uh, documentary last uh, year that that was broadcast, uh, uh, one of the things that they catch him saying at some point is, "I'm not black. I'm OJ." Uh, this this very hard distinction being drawn between the life he was living. In the life that many other African Americans have to have to, to endure, uh, and yet he becomes this this huge symbol of uh, the struggle against inequality and particularly against police oppression uh, during his trial. Uh, 
I always I always thought that was sort of a head spin, right? Uh, I always had a hard time getting my mind quite all the way around that. Now, as he comes out of prison uh, for uh, you know for a sentence that that did seem somewhat unjust uh, when it was when it was meted out. I, I guess I'm having a hard time even even trying to figure out where he fits uh, in that way now. I mean, he, he's a confounding figure. I feel like in in America's racial narrative, and I guess that hasn't, in my mind, that hasn't resolved itself over the last nine years. It, it's ironic because he spent so much time trying to 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 escape his blackness, run from it, um, and you know he set a template where the goal was. It was transcendent race, um, you know, and you heard that mentioned a lot of times. And I was one of the initial one, in the athletic realm. Um, O.J. Simpson, uh, uh, Dr. J, mm-hmm. Magic Johnson, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. You know, this notion that 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 they could transcend race, and, and it's a little bit insulting if you think back about it. The notion that blackness is something that that needs to be escaped or that needs to be overcome. Sure. Sure. Uh, now, certainly, we understand it, it's a challenge to break through and cross over stars, so to speak. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the notion that unless you do so, you know, or, or that the only way to success is, is to, to, to make your, your ethnicity secondary. Um, and and that's, that's what's being asked of, of these black superstars. But, but that was kind of the goal, and, and he achieved that to a large degree. But there's only so long... Um, that you're allowed to be able to do that, and that's what he discovered. Uh, and then, ironically, he became, to me, the the, the racial fig- figure in the 1990s, of course, mm-hmm. with the trial. And not so much him, but the reactions to him. Um, and so he, he went from being that to to almost being discarded, I think. So, so uh, African-Americans kind of championed his cause just, just because he represented them, even though he really didn't represent them because how many people are in that financial position to, to afford the type of uh, legal defense that he had, this all-star legal defense team. So right. even though he wasn't a represent, really representative, he wasn't someone that was out here advocating for African-Americans. He wasn't somebody that necessarily represented the, the, the typical African-American amount of resources. Um, you know, they, the community adopted him because he was all they had. And, and he was the rare examples again someone that that managed to, to triumph over the legal system that had historically been been stacked against african americans um but but again the fact that he didn't use that to to then further the cause um basically once once that moment in time passed there was no use for him. you didn't see a lot of people rallying for him in this uh in this nevada case even though yes it's absurd to think that he got nine years in prison for armed robbery <laughs> And he wasn't even the one that had a gun. He didn't have a gun in that right. hotel room. <laughs> None of the guys that actually had guns served a day in prison. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is uh, J.A. Adande. He's an ESPN.com senior writer. Wrote a column in The Undefeated titled, O.J. Simpson Will Return to a Bleaker Racial Landscape. We are talking about the emergence of O.J. Simpson from prison after nine years serving for the robbery that took place in a Nevada hotel uh, years after he was acquitted for the murders of his wife, Nicole Brown Simpson and Ron Goldman. What kind of world does O.J. emerge into? What kind of conversation does 
OJ emerge into? What is the racial narrative like now as compared to what it was when he went into prison? We'd love to hear from you how you think he is going to fit into the current narrative. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, J.A., I know you, you, you need to run soon, but I want to read a, a quote from your column first, which I think really sums up perfectly exactly what you're talking about here. Uh, you say, it's not that Obama failed, it's that the ideal of Obama failed. The great racial divide that was exposed for all to see from the divergent reactions to the original not guilty verdict for Simpson in 1995 seemed to close when a multiracial coalition of almost 67 million people voted for Obama. For a moment, it was possible to believe society was post-racial. Now we know better. Somehow the assertion that Black Lives Matter is a controversial statement. We're post-post-racial. We are talking about what that post-post-racial world will look like for O.J. Simpson, Jay Adande, uh, I want to I want to thank you for joining us here on Detroit today. Thank you, thank you for having me on to uh, further explain my column. Hopefully, yeah. I achieved that. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks very much. Uh, all right, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number on the phones. Let's go to Aaron in Detroit. Aaron, welcome. Hey, to good Detroit morning. Today. Hey. Go ahead, Aaron. First of all, I wanted to uh, to thank you guys, uh, your guest and yourself, for uh, the insight and and how you're discussing such a lively topic, to mm-hmm. put it mildly. But I did want to say that uh, I'm old enough to have remembered the '60s, and yeah, OJ will be coming out into a a harsher environment, even though we may have progressed time line wise, uh, but we have regressed to the point where I remember when uh, I was a a young teenager, 13, 12, 13 years old, uh, how the Black Panther Party was uh, rising up in uh, response to what we considered to be police brutality and and the oppression uh, uh, by the so-called man or the system uh, uh, of the the African-American in uh, the uh, urban areas. And so... uh, I made the comment to the person who answered the phone. Hopefully, OJ doesn't get stopped by the police uh, <laughs> because he could <laughs> he could be murdered just for being black. Right. Not being well, and OJ. I, I, I laugh only to to I guess to not have to to shed uh, you know many tears over over what you're saying there. But but that's part of this weird irony, isn't it, Aaron? This strangeness about this character. O.J. Simpson, who who for so long was just mm-hmm. not part of that narrative, but now he he is an indelible part of it. I think, and and he comes out into a world where you point out uh, we are we are paying more attention to the idea yeah. that African Americans could be pulled over and 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 shot for no reason. I mean, I, and I don't know. I guess I don't know where to put him in that in that space. I don't know where where he fits in the narrative. Yes. Uh, before I hang up, I'll, I'll say this. You know, we've progressed so far uh, just in the last 20 years technologically, and and uh, and we've made so many uh, advancements in other areas as far as uh, 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 acceptance in society of different groups or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it seems as if the racial uh, uh, 
format has, has somewhat slid backwards down that same mountain. If one side of the mountain we've advanced upward, it seems like racially we've slid down. You know, we've gone so far back towards the Civil War days that it's almost mind-boggling mm-hmm. how far we've gone back. Yeah. Yeah. With everything that we've advanced in in every other area. Aaron, I, th- I think a lot of people can relate to that to that point of view. I'm really glad you called uh, and made that point. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the world, the racial world that O.J. Simpson emerges into out of prison. We're going to talk with Jason Johnson. He's the politics editor at The Root and a professor of political science at Morgan State University. And of course, we want to hear from you on the phones, 313-577-1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day. Every day. Every day. On 1019 WDET. Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about O.J. Simpson and his upcoming release from prison after nine years. He has served for uh, his part in an armed robbery that took place in Las Vegas years after he was acquitted for uh, for the murder of his wife and uh, Ron Goldman. Uh, what kind of world does O.J. emerge into? What kind of racial conversation will he find himself perhaps in the middle of in 2017? And how is that different from the conversation we had, the very bitter conversation we had at a national level when Simpson was acquitted in 1995. If you want to join the conversation, give us uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter, and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. And joining me now to help push this conversation along is Jason Johnson. He is the politics editor at The Root, uh, also a professor of political science at Morgan State University. Jason, welcome to Detroit Today. Glad to be here, Steve. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah. So so uh, tell me what you think about Simpson's emergence from prison in a time of Black Lives Matter. That's a really different context uh, than the the narrative uh, that we were working with 22 years ago when he was uh, when he was acquitted of uh, in that murder trial, um, it, I, I said to the, to our first guest, I I find this really confounding uh, as an African American as a journalist. I find it really hard to place him in in this context. I find it really hard to to make sense of O.J. Simpson in so many ways and. Uh, I, I wonder. I wonder really what uh, what that will look like when he does come out of prison. I'm I'm interested in your reactions. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one, first and foremost, when this occurred last Thursday, um, it was a reminder to me, and and I'm not the only person who made this observation of how much history repeats itself. You know, O.J. Simpson and Donald Trump being in the news. Um, and, and, you know, the, the fact that, that America's obsession with certain kinds of people 
uh, will continue regardless of the quality of work or what those people produce or what those people are known for. So, you know, he, I, I don't think, I don't think for OJ Simpson, and, and I read J.A. Dante's piece, I thought it was fantastic, but I don't think it's that OJ is entering a, a more polarized or more racially hostile world than he was in in 1992. If anything, I think, or in 1995 when he went in, if anything, I think OJ is entering a more honest world um, than the one that he went into. Um, you know, he is, at the time that he went to jail, you know, it was this sort of shocking situation of, oh, gosh, this, this, this person goes to jail and it's kind of a makeup call um, from what happened in the original trial. But the idea of rich African-Americans uh, being able to game the system the same way that even poor white people have been able to do throughout history is less shocking now than it was when he initially went in. And I think also the notion that police, uh, some departments are corrupt, that institutional racism plays a role in how investigations are carried out, that was something that was met with scorn and derision uh, during his original trial. But it's something that I think many people believe today they just have debates as to how serious a problem it is, and and when we when we talk about that, I mean, uh, the, the the events that shape that narrative look really different today than they do than they did twenty years ago. And some of that's because of technology and and the things that we are able to see that we weren't able to see before, the places that we're able to be through people's cell phones and social media which of course have shrunk the space of actual privacy down to to you know a 6 inch radius or less um, but but we're talking about things differently than we were right. then uh, and 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 some of that some of that will affect i think the way people think about OJ Simpson and they will affect perhaps the way he reacts to the things that he's going to see and encounter when he gets out well, definitely. I mean, look, you take the famous part out of it. He's a 70-year-old man. You know, he's yes, 70-something right, years old. Right. He's been about, you know, he basically spent most of the Obama administration in jail. So, yes. um, you know, it is kind of a different world uh, than, than what he went into. But I also think that, you know, O.J. has, and, and this is something he'll have to reconcile in addition to what crimes he may or may not have committed, um, O.J. will have to reconcile with the fact that we are now in a we are now in an America where public discourse is not absolutely dominated by white straight men, mm -hmm. a couple of random white women, and the occasional acceptable black person. Mm -hmm. um, so, and that's the world in which he was probably mostly used to, even when he went into jail, where the discussions of OJ were going to be limited to a couple of random commentators, you know, on, on, on BET and maybe somebody who was allowed to say something on ESPN. We now live in a world of black Twitter. We now live in a world of, of, of black net, you know, magazines. I'm the politics editor of The Root. We now live in a world where African-Americans uh, and, and, and Asians and Latinos and even white people understand concepts like intersectionality more than they used to. Yes. So he's not insulated uh, from his crimes. He may have gone into jail as a guy who people saw as, eh, you know, he may or may not have been railroaded because the system was angry that he beat things before, but he comes out in a world where, you know, O.J. Simpson is seen as being not radically different 
um, than R. Kelly. Yeah. Not radically different than a lot of other rich, powerful men um, who may have gotten away with, with disreputable behavior for years. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Jason Johnson. He's the politics editor at The Root and a professor of political science at Morgan State University. We're talking about O.J. Simpson, who is going to emerge from prison after nine years soon, coming out into a world that looks really different from a racial perspective than the one where he sort of made his mark uh, in the racial narrative in the mid-1990s when he was accused of killing his wife and one of her friends. What do you think about the racial context that O.J. emerges into? Is it different from 20 years ago? Is it better than it was 20 years ago, or is it a little worse? And where does he fit into that narrative? Remember, in 1995, how O.J. Simpson came to sort of define the divide between blacks and whites when he was acquitted. African-Americans, many African-Americans celebrating that verdict as a pushback against decades of oppression. Many whites feeling as though they had been betrayed by the justice system. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Uh, Let's go to Tim. Tim in Detroit. Welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. You talking to me? Yep. Go ahead, Tim. Okay. Um, I just wanted to say uh, O.J. verdict couldn't happen today in Detroit because the Republicans in Michigan have gerrymandered the Detroit jury system down <laughs> so much that blacks don't have the jury power they used to. Because used to be a Detroit uh, circuit court, and they got rid of it. Now you have a Wayne County court, and so the jury pool is mostly white. And you have less and less blacks uh, on the juries, and so they wouldn't have the overwhelming power um, to hold up a uh, you know, verdict. They'd be they'd be overwhelmed by the number of white jurors that would uh, browbeat them into uh, submission. <laughs> so, 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 so Tim, Tim, you're I, talking about the first verdict, the 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 murder verdict, uh, where he was right. acquitted. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's what I was talking about. <laughs> okay. That's a really interesting yeah. perspective, Tim. I'm not sure I disagree. I think you're probably right. Uh, the 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 way that ju- that juries come together in in Wayne County is really is really problematic in a number of ways, not just racially, but but I appreciate the I appreciate the call and the thoughts. Uh, Jason Johnson, I want to read uh, something that you wrote comparing O.J. Simpson to George Zimmerman, which I think is a really interesting uh, layer to, to, to this conversation. You, you wrote, Simpson and Zimmerman have a lot in common. They're both men with a history of domestic disturbances with women. They're both men who were found not guilty because they were prosecuted by incompetent state attorneys. They are also both men who had a choice about how to rebuild their lives after murder trials. Uh, I, I think the intersection between O.J. and uh, George Zimmerman actually goes further than that in the sense that they are both huge symbols of the racial narrative uh, in this in this country. Oh, definitely, definitely. And, and I think, you know, I, I push back a little bit, I believe it was on the caller, Tim. You know, O.J. would still get off today. He would completely get off. You would just have to replace O.J. with Will Smith. 
Yeah. Look, if you're a famous person, because of the fame and the money, love, sure. yeah. I, I mean, you know, celebrity is still celebrity, and and it, you know, if you remember who O.J. Simpson was, and I, I, it's funny. I told my students this. We had a conversation about crime and stuff earlier this year. I was like, look, you know, O.J. scored his last touchdown probably five to seven years before I was even born. <laughs> right. So I mean, <laughs> you know, the guy, the guy was was to me the person from the Naked Gun movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, or the Hertz commercials, you, right? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, from from a couple. So. So if you are famous, and if you are famous enough, you can get away with almost anything. And that hasn't changed if you're rich enough, regardless of your color today. I will say this, though, that, again, uh, he, he will not have privacy. He will not be able to escape. Everyone's got a cell phone. Everyone's going to say, oh, my gosh, I've seen him. Companies and businesses and restaurants are like, oh, I don't want this guy around. The Bunny Ranch says they don't want him around. Mm-hmm. I also think this. If and that's thank you for for bringing up that article that I wrote. You know the thing about OJ, as compared to George Zimmerman, is you know George Zimmerman is a, is a cowardly man who killed a 17 year old kid because he was losing a fight, mm-hmm. um, and he basically has to hide for the rest of his life. One because he doesn't even have the political savvy uh, to turn himself into sort of a white nationalist icon, which he could have done, but he didn't want to do it. Um, and two because he really didn't have a life worth living or real skills to manifest, which is why he was a neighborhood watch person who was so aggressive anyway. O.J. Simpson can go back to a very comfortable life. Yes, It's not a life he wants to live because to him, living requires fame. Um, but but O.J. has the ability to go back and, and, and live the rest of his existence with relative peace. Is he going to be invited to the Essence Awards? Of course not. <laughs> um, but, but he's not going to be you know, working behind the counter at a Motel 6 in Alabama like George Zimmerman has to do yeah. um, because O.J. That's still really has interesting. money. Yeah, he does, still have, he does still have money. But I do – I guess the thing I'm waiting to see more than anything else – is what his consciousness looks like at this point. I mean, because we've seen so many different iterations of that with this person. Does this is this somebody who comes out of prison uh, dedicated somehow in a different way to pointing oh, out no. injustice? Uh, you know, does it does this raise his consciousness level? You don't think not so? in the least? <laughs> I, I, no, this man hasn't learned a thing. You listen to listen to Jay Z's new. You know, I'm not black. I'm OJ. <laughs> right. I watched. I watched highlights from that parole hearing. No black man who spent nine years in jail on a on a on a rigged up charge of stealing your own memorabilia back <laughs> has the audacity to get as angry and petulant as he did during trial. That man should have just gone on the stage, shut up said thank you, apologize, thank whatever it is he believes in and moves on. He still has the arrogance and the delusion of a man who would say, I'm not black, I'm OJ. He's not coming out of jail any more conscious than he was before. He is a 70-year-old black man who always felt that he was above the law, he was above any sort of racial stratification that exists in this country, and above reproach. I don't think he's changed at all, and I don't think anyone's going to want to hear what he has to say because that trial demonstrated that he hasn't changed. Yeah, so, I mean, that was that was where I was going next is, do you think O.J. tries to reemerge as a public figure? This was, this was part of the problem, in fact, after he was acquitted in the murder trial, was that he he believed he could slip back into the life that he had before, that that people would accept him the same way that the 
wealthy world that that had opened its arms to him before would 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 welcome welcome him again and and he found that that wasn't true i mean he found that that wasn't going to be the case and i mean he struggled for a a, a long time to sort of find a new a new life what does that what do you think that looks like now well i i think it looks like him finding a quiet place to live making sure his money is straight and spending the rest of his years with his kids. You know, I always thought, um, and, and I'll, I, I can say this has been 20 something years. I've always had various thoughts as to what his guilt level was. Uh-huh. Um, you know, as somebody who remembers the trial as a kid, who's seen all these different documentaries about it. I, I don't know if OJ actually is responsible for the murder he was initially charged for. Uh, and, and beat it. Certainly. He certainly acted like somebody who wasn't completely innocent. But all those things being said, you know, he is going to learn yet again that he can't go home again, um, that celebrity has moved past him, that no one even really cares about him anymore. I mean, O.J. Simpson is, for all the excellent documentaries that have been produced over the last two or three years, you know, O.J. Simpson is a, is a, is a quiz question. He's a you-don't-know-jack internet <laughs> quiz question for, for Generation Y. Um, and millennials, and even younger Generation X. So he doesn't have much cachet anymore. Um, and he's going to recognize that as he moves throughout the rest of his life that, you know, yeah, maybe you were a murderer, maybe you weren't a murderer, maybe you stole stuff, maybe you didn't, but no one really cares to hear who you are anymore. And that's going to be something he's got to adjust to. Yeah. I've always felt that the greatest punishment that he received was not the jail time, it was the loss of fame. Yes. It was Absolutely. the loss of respect and admiration and the ability to live with immunity, um, which he had experienced for so many years when he was a horribly uh, abusive husband to Nicole Brown Simpson and his first wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's go to the phones uh, here again. Deborah in St. Clair Shores, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello. Uh-huh. Nice to finally have a voice on your show, Stephen. Sure, I'm um, glad you called. I was curious, so you were speaking about O.J.'s term in prison and uh, how things in the outside world have changed, and I was curious um, as to whether your guest had any opinion about uh, the brain damage that they have uh, found in football players resulting from concussions <clears throat> and how... Uh, yeah. Perhaps OJ should, uh, you know, donate his time and, and yeah, his brain that's, to science. D- Deborah, to, that's uh, a really whether or not he yeah. has that. Yeah, Deborah, that's a really interesting question. I've always it is. thought perhaps there was something there with OJ. I mean, he he played in an era where, um, you know, where where we are now seeing lots of players affected by that. We've got about two minutes left. Uh, Jason, I want to I want to get your response to that that idea. Uh, think that's a really good question um you know i look at it two ways from a purely scientific outsider standpoint it's like yeah the guy got his brain scrambled for years uh in the league in the late 60s and early 70s so i'm sure he does suffer from some sort of brain damages and concussions however concussions don't lead to you being an arrogant abusive monster right and he was for many 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 years yes. and, and i think from a from a branding perspective um, if I were OJ and I would advise him, I would say, look, you don't want to go anywhere near this because it sort of plays into this idea that, oh, maybe you did these things because you were concussed. And this is a man who to this day says, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. So I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Um, and, and while I'm sure that he does suffer from some of those consequences, there are too many 
too many men in this country who have beaten and then proceeded to kill their spouses or abuse their spouses in ways that they could not recover from, and it didn't require getting your head bashed by a defensive lineman. Yeah. So, I, I, you know, it plays a role, but I wouldn't go too far down that rabbit hole. Okay. Jason Johnson, politics editor at The Root, professor of political science at Morgan State University. Thank you very much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thanks, Stephen. Anytime. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Up next, we're going to talk about kids and sports, kids and the time they have to play sports. Are they getting enough here in Southeast Michigan? Stay with us on Detroit Today.